Hey, what's going on, Lamborghini? It's your boy Jerry, the TRX for Washington here at General Fitness Company Studio. Today is Monday, March 7, 2022, and this is Season 9, Episode 23. And today we're going to be talking about pain and suffering, pain and suffering, how to prevent pain and suffering to be exact. And I was thinking about this today uh, because I was just thinking about what's going on in U Ukraine and what's going on in the world. And there's a lot of pain and suffering going on. And I was wondering if there's a way that you could prevent it. And I don't know if there's a way to prevent it, uh, but other than preparation, but outside of preparation, you got to just kind of deal with it. So we all suffer at some point in time in our lives. We all have pain. But the thing is that once you realize you're in pain, you're left with two choices, essentially, and it's whether to accept it or not. And we're going to be talking about that, what happens when you accept pain and what happens when you don't accept pain and what that can do for your life and what it can do for your emotional state and what can it do for your maybe even relationships. So uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this in the episode and hopefully we'll learn how to prevent pain and suffering overall in our lives. At least one of those we can prevent. All right, so let's go and get this episode underway. Episode 23 of Season 9. I'm going to call this one How to Prevent Pain and Suffering. Let's go. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about pain and suffering, and we're going to talk about that today because, you know, uh, <laughs> we all experience pain and suffering, and right now we're in a predicament in the world where a lot of pain and suffering is going on, whether it be because of COVID or uh, because uh, people are, you know, maybe having sickness or illness or obviously uh, what's going on in Europe right now. Uh, that's, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world that are causing pain and suffering. Now, now, today I want to talk a little bit about how you can prevent that and because you can prevent pain and suffering or more specifically one over the other one. So listen, we all experience pain and suffering in our lives. Every single one of us, nobody's exempt. You know, we all are going to experience it in some, some way or fashion in our lives. So the thing is that sometimes it can be, you know, really intense, like a broken bone or a burn. And other times it could be something that's like maybe not as intense or it can feel emotionally intense, but it's not something that is uh, immediate, but more so long lasting. And that'd be something like maybe like a broken heart or something like that. You know, something that you get from a, break, a breakup or maybe if you lose your job, you might feel that it's a little bit more long lasting than if you... Uh, or to you know, get burnt or something like that. So uh, I want to go Kanye on this real quick here. Suffering is a choice. <laughs> no, why do I say that? Why? Yeah, what gives me the right to say that? Well, listen, if everyone suffers and everyone experiences pain, like the question is, 
how how can that be a choice? Well, the answer is this. If you're listening closely, you would have heard that I said that there is a difference between pain and suffering. All right? What I said here is that everyone suffers and experiences pain. You don't experience suffering, but you experience pain. Now, I guess maybe you experience suffering, but you most definitely experience pain because pain is an experience. Right? Pain is an experience. We, meanwhile, suffering is more of a, of a perception of life. Right? And some may argue that pain is also a perception and that some people don't experience pains at all because they're there are people actually that don't experience pain at all. They exist. They have uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but you know, they have uh, something that's going on with their nerve endings where they can't feel pain, which is, you know, it may sound wonderful, but it's actually not a great thing because you need pain in your life. It's important to have pain in your life. Just think about like when you were younger, right? If you didn't have pain in your life and you were younger, how would you learn when you put your hand on a stove? You know, there's actually a, a story I read a long time ago about somebody that didn't have nerve endings and they didn't even notice uh, when they that they got burnt. That's actually their parents realized they thought the they thought the child was a, a special needs child uh, in a different way. They thought they had a mental a mental disability. And they thought that the, the child just wasn't smart enough to take their hand off the stove. Uh, but they realized after taking the, the, the child to the doctor that the child didn't have, you know, the same nerve endings uh, that a typical human being has. So it wasn't that the child was not smart or the child with special needs. It was the fact that the child just didn't have nerve endings. So, yeah. There is, there are examples of people that cannot experience pain, uh, but for the most part, for most people, we all experience pain as an experience. Pain is an experience that's usually preceded by an, an event, and if you're unlucky, multiple events. Meanwhile, uh, suffering is less of an event, less of an experience, but more of a perception of your reality, right? And the reason why I bring this up and uh, put it that way is because you know there's two two people that I can think of off the top of my head that pretty much exemplify this. So there's Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, and there is, a little bit harder to say his name, Alexander Solzhenits Solzhenitsyn. There you go. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I'm looking outside right now. It just turned into a, what looks like almost a hurricane. <laughs> it's like 50 mile an hour winds and rain just popped out of nowhere. This is wild. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> back to what I was talking about. So these two gentlemen, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Solzhenitsyn and uh, Viktor Frankl, were both, uh, they were both uh, in internment camps during the World War II. Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was in uh, the, uh, the gulag, the Russian gulags. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Viktor Frankl was in the uh, Nazi internment camps. Uh, so these two gentlemen, they wrote books about their experiences, and uh, they had some interesting experiences where they, uh, the Nazis on the for Victor inflicted a lot of pain, and uh, for uh, uh, for Alexander the uh, Russians. In fact, uh, Alexander had a, a interesting story that he shared uh, that where he talked about how they would always they make them work and do unnecessary work. It was always something that was like. Yeah, for instance, they would take a, a, a 10 pound sack of rice and they'd have to take it all the way across the yard when the yard was like, you know, maybe three football fields long, like 300 yards long. And they would have to take it over there for a re for some reason, I guess, maybe 
yeah, whatever reason they gave they gave to him. And then when they got to the other side of the yard with a 10-pound sack of rice, uh, they would have to take it back. And I'm not even sure if it was 10. I feel like maybe it was a 100-pound sack of rice. But anyways, whatever it was, it was an unnecessarily large uh, package that they were holding. And you remember, these people were not fed very very often, very regularly. They were worked extra hard. Uh, so, like, you know, 100, whether it was a 100 or 10-pound sack of rice, it was grueling labor. And the thing about that was a uh, thing about that story. What it's st- why it stuck out to me is the irony uh, that he put forth in it. He said that uh, when they normally walked out, there was a sign. I can't remember if it was a sign out there or it was a sign on the door, but the sign on the door for uh, Alexander said, I think it was in Russian and it said, work will set you free. And the irony of that is that they were given all this unnecessary work. None of that work actually pertained to helping them, helping set them free. However, that was like, I guess, a joke for the the Russian soldiers is that, you know, you keep working and eventually it will set you free. And the actual freedom was that it would more like more or less likely cause death. So, yeah, so that's the the story of these two gentlemen, or at least uh, mostly Alexander, but I'm sure that Victor pretty much had the same, you know, same experience in, uh, you know, some way or another. But the key here is that both of these guys, you know, the reason why their stories are so special, uh, uh, you know, partially because they survived this, but the other reason why is because the way they survived, say, the way they survived it. They didn't survive it by, you know, complaining and being spiteful and, you know, just, they, they, they didn't survive it by being miserable. All right. So what they did do is they found their way to find, obviously with Victor Frankl's book, he pretty much tells you in itself that, you know, he found, he had a search for meaning. He had to find out what this meaning was and actually uh, what he looked for as well as Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn. I can't say his name. It's Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, they both look for their responsibility in the in, in, in them being in that space. Now, you got to think about this, right? Like this is Stalin and Hitler. These guys are powerful people. These guys were. They're obviously not alive anymore. But these guys were really powerful people. These guys controlled the government. Meanwhile, these two gentlemen were saying that we're, we're, we're going about thinking that they had some sorts of some sort of responsibility in them being there. Now, that's not what this is. This episode is about, but it is something to consider. What is more important to consider is that they felt that it wasn't someone else's fault. They took responsibility and they found that even though it was their responsibility and it was their quote unquote fault that they were in these internment, entrenchment camps, internment camps, they found that because they gave themselves meaning, because they gave uh, some type of responsibility to themselves, right? They gave themselves responsibility in being there. They felt that they had more of a opportunity to get themselves out. So the deeper meaning behind that is that because they had to give themselves that opportunity to find themselves or to make their way out, they obviously were a little bit more inspired. They're a little bit more uh, enthusiastic about getting out of there because they felt that it was, they had the, the power to get themselves out. But more than that, they felt that because it was their fault, 
and I, I you know I lose, use that very lightly. You know, I don't really mean that it was they believed it was their fault, so to speak, but because they took responsibility for that, they felt that they weren't suffering because nobody would per, meaning nobody would you know and at least nobody that was of a healthy mind would purposely cause themselves to suffer so them believing that they had this opportunity to get themselves out and they had the responsibility to get themselves out they took it upon themselves to ta- to and to adapt a personality uh, that helped them survive and thrive. And in fact, uh, again, going back to Alexander's book, he actually said that he befriended some of the guards after a while, and he became someone that the guards actually would talk to uh, about just anything. Obviously, they weren't best friends, uh, but he made it into uh, into a situation where it wasn't so much uh, suffering, even though he was in pain and he was still being starved and he was still forced to work uh, meaningless labor, he still found a way to find meaning, to find responsibility within this such this terrible situation. So you think to yourself, now hearing that story, you think to yourself, like, what terrible situations I have have I been in? Now, I'm not saying for you to even compare your situation to the Holocaust or being stuck in a, a Russian gulag, uh, but you can think about things in your life where you might have felt like, you know, something was not going right or something just didn't feel right. Maybe somebody said something to you that didn't agree with you or, you know, maybe you had, like, uh, to go back to my earlier example, uh, you had a, a breakup or maybe you lost a job or something like that or it could be a whole whole host of things that could cause you know cause some negative emotions, so to speak, and those negative emotions are you know you're allowed to have those things, but in what we should look at more so than having than these emotions and these immediate reactions to your environment is more so what is going on inside of you, what's going on inside of yourself, what's going on to drive these emotions, and what drives those emotions usually is not your actual self, it's like your immediate response, but it's not necessarily necessarily who you are you know like your immediate response your sub you know your whatever autonomic response is not necessarily uh doesn't necessarily encompass your whole character right you know you have a fighter you have a flight or flight fight or flight response but that doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are all the time so to take that you know immediate knee-jerk reaction out of the equation takes gives you more of a of an open look or gives you more of an insightful look at who you are and what you are capable, capable of. So what I'm saying here is that like, as if to be a complete and a full human being, you can't be someone that is reactive. You can't be someone that is just rely goes off of your first initial emotion because we all are emotional creatures. Again, we all experience pain and suffering. And so we all experience these things. Well, except for like my early example, those few people that don't experience pain. But for the most part, we all have some kind of, uh, you know, maybe if it's not physical, emotional pain, right? And it, when we do experience these things, uh, we have to again take it to take into account that we are human beings that are emotional creatures, and that that may not necessarily represent our entire reality. So again, to go back to the, the original point here, suffering is a choice. Now I know it sounds harsh because you could probably just name a, a million different afflictions that it might that 
could have or have already happened to you. But it's all in the mindset. It's all in how you t- how you take it, how you accept it. And not only that, I mean, to go even further, prevention. You can prevent a lot of these things simply by, you know, having a good attitude. Obviously, pain, you can prevent that by, you know, maybe studying your environment beforehand, before you step into the environment, you know. Uh, but you know, in terms of suffering and, you know, you can literally prevent that by, you know, being informed. And I, I think back to um, this weekend, which is what really inspired me to record this episode. I was listening to an episode on NPR about attachment styles, you know, the anxious and the avoidant, the secure and unsecure, as well as the uh, anxious avoidant, which is a very small population uh, percent of the population. Uh, but I learned about that uh, this weekend. And I thought it was really interesting to uh, listen to uh, the author of the book, uh, attachment styles. <laughs> uh, and uh, he was, he, his name is uh, Amir Levine. And it's actually a really good book. I would say I didn't read the book, but you know, he talked about it. And I'm pretty sure he can go in. If you read the book, you'll get more details, but it talked about those different, different attachment styles as relate to, as they relate to uh, uh, intimacy. And, you know, this neuroscientist, Amir Levine, who wrote this book, talked about these different styles of, uh, of communicating and relating and obviously attaching. And uh, he talked about how they're, you know, they're biologically uh, developed. They're not necessarily environmental completely. Some of them, you know, some elements are, you know, obviously everybody's different. But, you know, for, for the, the, the base of it, you know, it's mostly biological from what uh, he was saying. But what I learned from that was, or I learned a lot, but what I really took away from that is that there is information out there. There's a lot of information. It's all at our fingertips. And if you're ever having trouble with something, you know, like whether it's you're having trouble communicating with your spouse or you're having trouble at your job with doing a specific task or you're having, you know, some issues with, uh, with, uh, with your finances, you know, or whatever it may be, the information is essentially at your fingertips. And if you don't go out and look for it, then you are the sor- you are personally the source for your suffering. It's not necessarily uh, the thing that is causing your suffering. It's you as the fact that you are the source for your suffering. Now, just because you're the source for your suffering doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be the one that is going to completely eliminate it from your uh, from your life. Obviously, you have to take action, but not only. You have to take action, but you have to take uh, measured action. You have to take action that is going to uh, lead to positive results. For instance, as it pertains to uh, the relationships, as they talked about in this particular episode, uh, they were talking about how if you are in these, you know, these these conflicts, so to speak, right? If you're can, if you're getting, uh, if whatever you're doing or whatever the other person is doing to you is eliciting a combative response from you then it's not necessarily up to you to fix it. Obviously, you should know that, you know, that that person is making you feel combative, but it's not just a matter of you fixing your response because that person that you are in a relationship with is not going to be necessarily uh, going to, is not going to simply stop doing what they're doing to elicit this response by you 
feeling better or being in your emotions or even getting out of your emotions. What it's going to take is communication. You're going to have to talk to that other person about what's going on and how you feel about the particular instance that sparked that com- that combative response. So, and a lot of things in the world, as they pertain to you and your emotions, you can fix simply by not suffering. You can fix by simply uh, being grateful, uh, searching for meaning behind these a- these actions or behind the emotions that you're, that these things are eliciting, and then moving forward through that. Now, when it comes to certain instances that you know rely that are more or less. Uh, relationships, you know, whether it be a friendship, an associate, an actual significant other, or, you know, even a a parent, guardian, or sibling, it's going to be two-sided. It's going to be two people working on, on that communication. It's going to be two people working on minimizing combat, (laughs) more or less, right? Uh, I guess because that's how it goes when you have two people that are disagreeing. It's more or less, you know, you're getting combative uh, responses from either either person. So the only way you can do that, you can't just like stop being combative on your part and expect the other person to not be combative. Uh, but you have to communicate and communication is the key. No matter if it's, if it's you and someone else or you communicating with your own feelings and understanding why you feel a certain type of way about a specific event and maybe getting down and reaching a little deeper to find out how you can uh, respond a little bit better. So again, happiness is a choice. Suffering is a choice. It's all a choice. At the end of the day, even though it's a choice, it may not be something that's going to last forever. You can't get happiness to last forever. Just like suffering isn't going to last forever. But in those moments and where you feel emotionally unstable and emotionally uh, changed from your from your homeostasis of emotions, of regulatory emotions, you have that opportunity to either run with it and go with it, suffer, be happy, whatever it is, or you can take a step back, realize what's going on, communicate with the other party, communicate with yourself and analyze the environment and move forward in a peaceful and grateful and hopefully happy emotional state. All right. So that's what I got for you today. It was a, I, I just thought it was really interesting to hear that episode about uh, about attachment styles. And I'm just thinking about that in the sense that a lot of people do know these things. And I even know these things about attachment styles. And I knew they existed for a while. And, you know, I would have <laughs> I would have, you know, disagreements with people uh, and a lot of those disagreements could have just like been prevented. Uh, simply be if I, you know, paid attention to their attachment styles, you know, if I have someone that's uh, constantly texting me, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea if that person has an anxious type of uh, attachment style. If, if someone's always texting you and they have an anxious attachment style and you ignore them, that just makes it worse. <laughs> so uh, you have to kind of like communicate and analyze your environment and deal with the things that you're that are coming up but at the same time uh, you have to be aware of your own emo- emotional state and what you need to what you need to do for yourself so that you can move forward without being too overloaded with emotions and, and to a point where you you, you suffer
<laughs> All right. I will check you later. Thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy this, feel free to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating or a review. And also, don't forget to share. All right. Again, thank you so much for listening. Take care. And as always, keep good company. <laughs>